We're into week number three of our series called Relationship Goals, and if you've been on social media at all, at some point in time you've seen that the hashtag of a couple that's eating a meal together, he's feeding her a forkful of his food, and he actually smiles about sharing his food, and so, you know, relationship goals, that's what we want. You see an adventurous couple, and, and there's just this concept out there that there's goals of what we could be as a couple, but we're not yet, and it creates this relationship goals, and you probably have goals in your mind, in your heart of what you want your love life to be like one day. And, and I believe that God has goals for your marriage as well. And maybe, you know, maybe this is just me, but have you ever found yourself, if you've been in a relationship, in a conversation with your spouse that is maybe intense, or maybe it could be called a fight, right? I mean, it's happened once or twice before, and it's a situation where they messed up, and you got them. Like, you, you, like, they know they were wrong, and then all of a sudden, they pull out the move, and they bring up, well, you know what? Last year on Valentine's Day, you didn't even do anything. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> we were talking about that. We're talking about this. Like, you be wrong, not me. By the way, Valentine's Day is tomorrow, gentlemen, tomorrow. Be ready. Alarm, all right? Get that done. Be ready for it. But, but there's this technique that will often come out in our fights where we recognize like, hey, wait a minute, that's not what we were talking about. Like, let's stay right here where you're wrong. Let's not go to where I was wrong yet. Like, we, we see different techniques get played. There's distractions that will come up. When we're in the middle of the fight, we recognize our partner will usually have a technique that they employ, and we can kind of name it after a few years. Because when it comes to fighting, there's techniques that get used to give yourself an, an advantage. And I want to tell you that there's techniques that you should be aware of, maybe that you're implementing that are not helpful for your marriage. And, and a lot of times within marriages and relationships, we find ourselves fighting with each other when in reality we should be fighting for each other. And really that's what we're going to be studying today. We're going to be looking at a passage and usually I, I, I lean on the side when it comes to the way that I lead and pastor, I teach from scripture most of the time, or all of the time, but I do what is called teaching. Pastors can also do what's called preaching, and they're actually a little bit different. Teaching is very solid. It's just we're going to unpack what the scripture says, and preaching is when we, we get into, okay, here's what scripture teaches, and here's what we see happening in the world in the application of the scripture where it's missing. And I want to go ahead and tell you, today, I'm going to be preaching a little bit. I'm going to be showing you, like, I see this happening in the world and we need to, within our marriages and within our lives, we need to go against this and move back towards God's design. And, and today, in this passage, an, another thing that I don't do a lot in my messages is I don't like to give the devil any airtime in my messages because I believe as we set our eyes on things above, we set our eyes on Jesus, it moves us along in the way that we should go. But there is a reality that Scripture identifies a person called Satan. And in Jesus' life and ministry, he was tempted by him in the desert. We see the reality that Jesus said Satan was there. We see in the teaching of the apostles that they say that we are in a fight that is not just a fight with flesh and blood, but there is something that is spiritual that is going on in our relationships. And so I want to start with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, as we get into what we're looking at today. And we'll project this on the, word, on the, on the screen as I read the word to you. The Apostle Paul writes, and he says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against all evil spirits in heavenly places. One of the things about the devil that we see in Scripture about his character is anything that God blesses, he wants to curse. Anything that God says, this is holy and this is sanctified, he wants to destroy. He is opposed to anything that God's heart is turned towards. And what Ephesians 6 tells us is that he will actually use schemes. He will use strategies. He will employ methods to try to destroy things that are close to the heart of God. 1 Peter 5.18 says it this way. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He has a desire to destroy. And the word strategies here, it comes out of the the Greek word that was used around wrestling, techniques. And and at this time, the goal of wrestling was to put your opponent down to the ground from their feet. And so when you're thinking about the techniques that would be employed, he's saying that he has techniques that he's going to knock you off of your feet and onto your back. But if you know about the techniques that he uses, you'll be ready and able to defend against them. And I believe that when it comes to marriage, we have our own goals for our marriage. I believe that God has goals for your marriage, but I'm gonna tell you something else that is true. Satan has goals for your marriage as well. And if you're not married today, I wanna make sure that you tune in because if you're gonna be married one day in the future, you need to have your eyes set forward on what it's gonna be like to be married to someone. And if you're saying, you know, singleness is my gift, I do not need anybody else, or I've done that and I am done with that, you're still going to be around people who are in this relationship called marriage, and you're going to need the wisdom to pour into them, so I'm going to ask you to dial in. But this is, I I believe, truths that I see on display in our world around us in, in the relationship called marriage, and the methods, the strategies, the wiles of the devil, of what he uses to employ to destroy these relationships. I'd say some of the schemes, one of the first schemes that I see on display in our culture today is that his goal for your marriage is distraction instead of dedication. Distraction instead of dedication. In the realm of fighting, whether it's UFC, boxing, any martial arts, as a round begins where you know that you're in the fight, the refs usually always say something like this right at the beginning. They say, protect yourself at all times. But even though they've been warned of that, there's so many matches that as the bell rings and the fight begins, the opponent comes out and kind of puts his glove out there to say, hey, give me a fist bump. And as soon as the other fighter does it, while his guard goes down to just give him a fist bump, the other fighter sucker punches him and knocks him out. And the crowd doesn't really like it, but the ref just has to say, you were in the ring, the bell has sounded, I told you that you were in a fight, I told you to protect yourself at at all times, and you've lost the match even though it doesn't feel fair. And I want to tell you, the, the most dangerous position to be in is to be in a fight and not realize the other person is already swinging at you. To be in a fight and not recognize that you have to have your guard up 
is a very dangerous place to be. And we have been in this marriage relationship, I believe so many of us thinking it's just gonna happen naturally, that everything is gonna feel passionate and loving and it won't require any work and they're always gonna just agree with me and it's gonna be like a Disney romance all the time naturally. And then all of a sudden we recognize not only do I have to deal with this other person who is not nearly as perfect as I thought they were when we were dating, like now we also have this adversary who wants to see our marriage destroyed. Like there's the truth that there's the problems we face of two people getting along, but you also will be in a spiritual battle for your relationship. And one of the ways that this battle plays out, I believe is distraction instead of dedication. Because here's the thing, if the devil can't make you bad, if he can't make you sinful, he will just make you busy. Because at the end of the day, his goal is that you will not fulfill your God-given obligation to your family. And he will use any means necessary to drive you away from what you're called to do in this season. And the interesting thing is that if I were to ask you, hey, what are your top priorities in life? Like what matters most to you? Almost all of us in the room would say God matters most. And then my family and my marriage and then my job and then my, my involvement at the church, like it's gonna be some sort of order like that. Not saying that's the right one, but that's about the answer that I'd get from you. But then I said, okay, tell me about your schedule and how you use your time. And the things that would be in your top three are probably in your bottom 20. It's like, well, you know, right now it's just such a busy season at work. Like work is going so well. Like I just, I've got to put those extra 20 hours in in the office to keep things rolling the way they are because then in the future we'll be set up as a family. You know, there's, there's just a lot going on with my social media right now. Like I've got to be involved in this. And so the, I should be doing more with the kids, but I, I just, I've got to manage these notifications because when something pops up on my phone and it's a notification, it really bothers me. And so I got to make sure I check them all off. So I'll parent next year. is the way that you're using your time in line with where your values, where you say they are. I wanna, I wanna tell you that your adversary will be very happy to say, I'll take something that's good in your life and use it to destroy what is most important in your life. There's a, there's a theologian that um, I, I read, anyone who goes through Bible college or seminary, uh, as they're studying, they're going to read a book called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Great book, highly recommend it. Um, he has a lot of great writings. He was a very powerful pastor, preacher, author. Um, there, there's so many quotes that I could read to you guys. It's like, oh man, like that, that, that would preach. I've used this quote quite a few times because it's so significant. A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And it's such a cool concept because you're the way that you think about God tells you all about like who he is in your eyes. It's a, it's a, it's a powerful quote. Uh, th this one, I think, has weight to it. He once said, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored or turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. I mean, he's got some, some good depth and some good grasp uh, of life and worship. Uh, this is a powerful one. He said, it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. A.W. Tozer had some wisdom and some theology, but when A.W. Tozer passed away in 1963, um, his bride Ada, his name was Aiden, um, and I mean, just isn't that just a cute pairing of a couple names, Ada and Aiden? I mean, 
when he passed away and he was so well-respected and he still is so well-respected, he was a man of integrity. But she remarried the next year and people wrote and checked in on her and her response to them was always consistent. She said, Aiden loved God, but Leonard loves me. And she talked about how she just never had that in her marriage with him. And I believe that one of the schemes of the devil is he will take anything that is good and if he can put it out of balance in your life, he can use that to destroy other critical parts of your life. Because like a tower, once you begin to rip out any section of it, the whole thing can come down. And I don't care how much you know about theology if you don't in practice love your neighbor. I don't, I don't care about your knowledge of the biblical Greek language and your ability to parse the Greek words and apply the theologies in a systematic way. I don't care about your understanding if you don't love the spouse that God has given you. If you aren't pouring yourself into your kids, if you're not fulfilling the base teachings of Christianity, the depth of your understanding has no value. And there's so many things that can feel so critical, but if they are not in line with the primary calling that God has entrusted to you in this season, it can be a distraction and it can be an imbalance that Satan would love to use to destroy your relationship. And we've seen this time and time from pastors who get things out of balance to professionals to parents where things in this season that were, were focused on things that are distractions instead of the things that we should be dedicated to. And so as we look at this spiritual battle and the, the feelings and the impulses that you have of where you're pouring your time into this season, if you were to say, here are my top values of, of what I know is important for this season, is what your time being used for, do they match up with that? And if not, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, I want to implore you as your pastor, begin to get yourself dedicated to the right things. Because if you're willing to do the math, you know how it will add up later. You know that if I keep going in the wrong direction in our marriage, that eventually this is going to break apart. You know if you do the math, if I keep ignoring my kids at home, by the time they become teenagers, they're not going to care about what I have to say because I have not invested in them at all. I mean, it's simple math things. It's like, if I, know, I know that if I don't put into my retirement account at all now, when I get to the point where I retire, there will be nothing there. The same is true of your marriage. The same is true of your relationship with God. We have to invest our time in the things that matter most. And so the, the, the scheme that I see being used so prevalently today in the marriages, marriages within the church, the distractions are not bad things. They're not always destructive things. It's not always a drug addiction. It's not always an affair. They can be smaller things. They can be good things. But when they become out of balance, they pull you away from what you should be dedicated to in this season. So no, church. Whether you're in the point of preparing and becoming the spouse you need to be one day, or you're in that relationship, or you're raising kids, know for yourself, where is my focus supposed to be dedicated to right now? 
The second scheme that I see being employed upon the church today is what I want to term as sirens instead of sanctity. Sirens instead of sanctity. In mythology, there's a creature called a siren that would appear attractive, it would sound, it would have a song that that would compel sailors to come close to it, and it would look like these beautiful women, which if you've been out at sea for a couple months on a ship full of men, any side of beautiful women would probably be very attractive, and in mythology, they would lure these sailors in, and by the time they were close enough to see what they were really getting close to, they would be shipwrecked into rocks and drowned and dead. And I don't think that it's You know, I think the company knew what they were doing when they chose a siren as their logo. Because if you're like, I'm trying to financially make progress in my life and, you know, get my finances in order, this $8 cup of coffee from this siren is not helping our progress. It just calls me in, but every time I get it, like it blows our budget and sends me on an emergency run to the bathroom because of what the coffee does. Like there's this, this, this truth that we have sirens in our life, things that call us in, things that we know, like if I go down the street, it will be destructive. Like we know that pursuing that, that friendship with that person at work of the opposite sex that is not my spouse, like I should not be spending this much time and attention with them. We know that like, this is not the proper way to run our finances, that if we keep in these same behaviors, we will increase our debt, it will become unmanageable, it will lead towards bankruptcy if we don't make changes. We know in our health that if I continue to consume more calories than my body needs, it'll continue to add health problems and weight to my life. We know if we will stop and think about the math, we know that we're on destructive paths, but it just feels so luring. It feels like it will satisfy, but it never does. What it does is it leads us to a point where if we had to explain to our kids what happened, it would break our heart. If we had to explain to our spouse what happened, it would break our heart. When we have to explain to our Heavenly Father and we stand before Him in judgment, it will break our heart. And I want to encourage you. You need to identify what is a siren? What is something that it's like, it draws me in, but I know the end game is destructive. And what is something that is sanctified? When I was writing this section of the message, initially I was gonna use seductive um, or sanctify, but the fact is there is some sanctified seduction that is supposed to go on in life. Like seduction is not always bad. Like in that sanctified relationship, there should be passion. There should be love. God intended the person that he gave you to be the fulfillment of your emotional and physical needs. Like God blessed marriage. He gave you every part of marriage as a gift. And when we begin to chase after sirens to fulfill part of our marriage somewhere else, that's when it's destructive. The need is a good need. Like it is a blessing to have that need and have that desire, but we have to focus it to make sure this is the sanctified place. This is the holy place where all of that is fulfilled. And we need to protect it because your marriage is something that is holy. It is set apart to God. It is sanctified and it is blessed. And you need to treat it with the utmost respect. It deserves attention from you. We work on so many things. We, we, we work on our finances, we work on our body, we work on our house, on our cars, on our image, on our clothes. Work on your marriage too. Grow your marriage, grow your capacity 
to communicate with each other and stay away from the sirens of temptations. Proverbs 4, 14 says it this way, don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Don't even go down those roads where you know this is where my siren is. If you can identify an issue that you'd say, if I keep pursuing this, if I keep engaging with this, it's gonna be destructive for my life. You're gonna have to just get off the road. Don't let yourself keep walking past the opportunity. Understand what is sanctified and what is a siren in your life. It's a scheme that I believe that Satan uses to to attack and destroy marriages. And I think that the third scheme that I see prevalent within the church today is confusion instead of clarity. Lack of communication is destructive in relationships. And I'm going to tell you, if your husband is anything like me, he, he, he might be guilty of this. He will sit across the table and look at you like this. But everything in his heart is like, I would die for you. I love you so much. All of my heart is yours. I think about you throughout the day. I would sell every one of my prized possessions to meet a need and a dream of yours. There's nothing I would not do for you. But all that he does is he sits across the table and looks like this. Because men, we often feel these things in our heart, but we fail to communicate them and they need to be communicated. There are so many fights and issues that rise up in marriages that don't even need to be fought about if what needed to be communicated would be clearly spoken. There are needs that are designed within your spouse that you are designed to meet. And husbands, one of the things is we need to pipe up and we need to say what is in our heart. In the same way, wives have opportunities to meet needs with words said in all kinds of different ways. And God has gifted you guys and complimented each other with each other to meet that need. But so much of it is left unsaid. Recently, uh, uh, and this is true with children, this is true with friendships. I believe there's so many things that need to be said that have not been said One of my wife and I's friends recently went through an incredibly difficult circumstance. She unexpectedly lost her father. And when you don't have warning like that, it can leave a lot of regrets. But she made a beautiful Facebook post about how about a year before this, she made the decision to write her dad and just say everything that she wanted to say to him about how she loved him, how she respected him, what he meant to her. And it meant so much to her that she said that before that time came where he was taken. And she also said that kind of accidentally, he passed a notebook to her that he didn't really mean to, but in that notebook, he had written letters to each of his daughters and his wife. And he talked about how he was proud of them, how he loved them. And when he passed unexpectedly, they gathered together and they just read those letters. And I'm sure for him, it was things that he thought and felt every day, but wow, did having those written down mean a lot to his family. I wonder how many people are in your heart that you think the world of, that have meant so much to you, but they haven't heard it from your lips yet. I believe there's distance in so many relationships. I believe that there's anxiety in so many relationships because there's things that are felt that are not spoken. 
And I want to challenge you to love well, to love deeply, to be considerate of the needs of the person that God has given you and speak those words. Leave nothing unsaid that needs to be said. And there's a whole host of problems that I believe will go away as we begin to just communicate better, to communicate clearly, because what Satan loves to do is he loves to operate in the confusion and say, they don't care about you. They don't think about you. No one values you. But if you can, you will overpower that whisper in their life by a simple statement, by a simple letter, by a simple card that you write that they might go back and read a hundred times that you only wrote once, but God will use your words powerfully in their life. And you'll be able to interrupt a scheme that I believe Satan employs in so many people's lives and hearts. In the fights that we find ourselves in, in the struggles that we find, whether it's because we've been investing our time in the wrong places or our communication hasn't been good, I want to encourage you, fights and struggles will happen in marriages. But the goal that we should have is that when we encounter these fights and these struggles and these disagreements, that we move from saying, I'm not fighting for myself, I'm not fighting against you. I understand that our relationship is in a spiritual fight because God is honored in this relationship and Satan would love to attack it. And so we, as a goal, are gonna set, set the bar at we are going to protect each other at all times. I'm gonna protect you by the words that I speak. I'm gonna protect you from them. When that whisper begins to come into your ear that you feel like you're not valued, you're gonna be able to fight it because you've heard from me consistently how much I love you, how much I care for you, how much I see God using you in the places that he's positioned you. Rules for battle and relationship, we have to move from saying, I'm gonna try to one-up you that I'm gonna fight for you and we're gonna fight for each other at all times. Rule number two that I'd like to encourage you on today is that you would communicate what you need, not just what they did wrong. This is tremendously helpful for us men. If you will just tell us how to fix it, how to do better, we will strive, we will try. We figure out what we did wrong pretty easily, but help us tell us what we need to do to fix it. Number three, communicate what you dream of for each other. Communicate what the goal is, because if you can see a finish line, you can fight towards it. And number four, communicate how you, can do it, how you will do it better next time. These are just some tactics that I want to encourage you on. If you find yourself in a disagreement and a problem with your spouse, and if you can verbalize, this is how I'm going to do that better next time, it affirms to them that you've been listening. It removes that lack of clarity and it shows them that you took it seriously and you want to make a step towards it. But in the fight for our relationships, we have to begin to implement strategies because someone is strategizing against us. Um, Band, if you guys will make your way up, I'm going to begin to close this out. You might feel like, you know, I, I don't know how to begin to fix what's going on. I don't know enough. Um, I, I want to compare it to this. This is just kind of a funny story from my youth. Much like, uh, you know, other kids, I just kind of got like, hey, go do Taekwondo. Like, just go do something. Just like not, not, not be at home. Like, go do this. And so I grew up doing Taekwondo for a while. 
And it was just, you know, it's like choreography, like dancing, I felt like for the most part. Like I could still show you like a 40 move form that we had to learn, but I would probably pull a muscle and embarrass myself while doing it. But it's still etched there in the memory. I remember in sixth grade, when I was in this, I, we went on a school trip to Washington, D.C., and there's this kid, he was short, he got picked on a lot. I think they just stuck all the nerds into one hotel room and like just put those kids together. And much like middle school boys, like we were bouncing on all the furniture, and I knew Taekwondo, and I was like, hey, Kyle, he was like the short, like geeky one who got picked on by everybody. I was like, come here, I'm going to show you how to do a sweep kick. And we were on the bed, and I, and so it didn't hurt him, but like we just swept his legs right from out, out from under him, and he laughed, and I was like, okay, this is how you do it. Like you, you bend here, and you go backwards, and you just got to drive through the legs, so you lift him up. And he did it to me back and forth, and like we wrecked our hotel room, and it was kind of a funny like experience with each other. Um, and we became friends a little bit through that trip, and then when we got back to school, I remember it was like the last day of sixth grade. It was field day. And the two bullies that were picking on him that had for a long time, they started it up. And I remember, like, it irked me a little bit that time. But before I even had an opportunity to do something, and maybe God needs to fix my heart on this because I shouldn't rejoice in seeing a bully get put in place, but I still do a little bit. And, and as the kid was kind of laughing with his other friend, picking on Kyle and, like, reaching back to, like, hit him again, Kyle just out of nowhere swept his legs right out from under him. And I was like, oh, I taught him that. I didn't even know he absorbed it. Like, we were just messing around. And the bully's legs li literally went up above his head as he fell, landed on his back in that noise that you maybe heard before, like when you get the air knocked out of your lungs, like, whoo, like, like could not breathe. Bully started crying because he couldn't breathe. Like, the whole sixth grade class was like, oh, my goodness. Kyle did not know how to fight at all. But he had one move. He's not ready for the UFC. He was not big enough to win that fight. But he had one move, and he decided to use it. Your relationship might feel so wrecked that you're like, it needs so much repair, I don't know where to start. I tell you, when it comes to things with God, you only need one move. You only need one step of obedience. And he's going to meet you there, and he's going to walk you through every step forward. And I believe the goal for our relationships today, I believe it can be summarized, what I've spoken today can be summarized into one key thought of we're going to stop fighting each other and we're going to start fighting for each other. And that might be the move that you need to start with. But I want to tell you, in the moments where it feels like this would be impossible, things that are impossible for man are possible with God. What Satan meant to use to destroy you, to destroy your family, to destroy your relationships, God can take it and he can turn it for good and he can build a testimony that will be a generational blessing that goes from family to family if in these moments you will choose to rise up and walk in his ways. So wherever you are, wherever God is stirring, I want to challenge you. Grab a hold of that step that you feel like you need to take and take it with boldness, take it with courage, take it recognizing that God will bring the victory if I will just begin to walk in his ways. Will you stand with us as we pray before we sing this next song? Father, as we sing this, would you just let faith rise up in our hearts?
we know that victory is possible in so many things, but I know that in the the area of relationships, sometimes it feels like victory isn't possible there. So just refresh in our hearts the truth that victory does come from your hand, that you are able, that you are powerful, that you can change hearts, that you can grow us in areas where we felt like we have struggled, that we can walk in integrity because of what your spirit is doing and how it is guiding us in our lives. We thank you for the blessing of marriage. Help us to honor you in the way that we live this out. In Jesus' name, amen.